Hey, 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 what's up, Langston Jules? Hey, Paper Maid, what's going on? You know, I'm just loving life now. Hey. I'm loving life at this moment in Champion time. vibes. Yes, that's exactly what this is. I'm okay. just feeling right. How are you? <laughs> I'm feeling good, too. So, what, what have you been up to? Do you have any plans for the near future? You know, things are opening back up again. Thank God. The Honestly, uh, I can take much Pumpkins, more of the closures. Spice lattes. I'm thinking I want to go to Six Flags, honestly. Six Flags? That's yeah. crazy. What's going on at Six Flags? Well, they have a Fright Fest that goes on around this time. Mm, and okay. it's all spooky. And they have zombies trying to chase you around with chainsaws. Oh, hell no. Zombies. What is that? What? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Why yeah. did you just turn the lights off? Stop being a creep. Okay. <laughs> Stop being a creep. the lights the back light. on. Be the light. <laughs> Man, <this ain't> cool. <laughs> I would really like to experience that, I think, because mm. I just feel like if they have something new going on or something different, right. I I like that thrill, mm-hmm. you know, that that feeling of anxiety, but it's like the fun type. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, you, can you should call definitely go. You can call that fun. You can call that fun. Because they have the zombies and they have the roller coasters. I'm actually pretty uncomfortable right now. <laughs> but <laughs> ah, now I'm scared. See, I, I I came in with positive vibes and you got me all feeling, you know, a little like goosebumps or something, you know. But let me hypothesize with you for a little bit, okay? Okay. Because now all this, all these, all these scary vibes got me thinking about something. Can I tell you a story? <sighs> Yeah. I want to hear it. Can I yes. say? Okay. Listen up. Clervius Narciss, born in Haiti in January 2nd, 1922, died on May 3rd, 1962. And then he died again in 1994. All right. What? Died this twice. Is, mm-hmm, this is the story of Mr. Clarvius Narcis. All right. So the story goes that in 1962, he admitted himself into an American hospital with several symptoms of an ailment. He had a fever. He was very fatigued and he was coughing up blood. Mm. Doctors couldn't save him, and then he died three days after his visit. So fast forward 18 years later, villagers and family members notice a familiar man walking in their village, and they can't put a finger on it. They go, this guy, it's not about him. He looks familiar. It was Mr. Clarvius Narciss. So the people started walking up to him, the people that recognize him, his friends, his family. He's like, Clarvius, how is this possible? After 18 years, you're standing in front of me? I was at your funeral, bro. I watched them bury you, bro. Mm. He told them that after his burial, he was dug up and forced to work on a sugar plantation for two years. And the source of responsible had taken his soul. What makes this especially perplexing was that his death was documented and verified by the testimonies of two American doctors. 
Ladies and gentlemen, what we have here is a case of the first verifiable instance of someone being turned into a zombie. That's crazy. <laughs> Hello, weird. <laughs> so, how could this be possible? You know, you feel me? Like, w- well, one hypothesis is that voodoo rituals they use a high amount of a chemical called tetrodotoxins, and in small doses, they aren't very lethal. But if someone is administered a dose that can be almost lethal, the chemical can leave a person in an almost comatose state with them still being conscious. Meanwhile, they're still able to hear, smell, feel. They're just paralyzed, like they can't move. Mm. You know what I mean? Also, Clairveus in this story says that he was dug up and he was given this paste of this poisonous flower called datura, which can have hallucinogenic effects and even cause memory loss. He says he was given this continuously until the plantation owner died and he eventually regained his sanity and just walked away from the plantation. That's crazy, right? Yeah. That is so wild. Whoa. So- <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. The creepy vibes for this one. Creepy vibes for this one. So for this Halloween episode, let's discuss the history behind voodoo. <laughs> Black Hypothesis. Hey everybody, this is V Langston Jules. And Paper Me. And we are Black, Black Hypothesis. Hypothesis. STEM for, for the, the culture. culture. You know what? The Langston Jules, mm. I do understand your your fear, how scared you may be <laughs> when you hear some of this creepy shit. But you know what? I used to be that scared, too. Oh, I used to okay. close my eyes, actually, right. when I watched horror films. But I went through a comparative literature class at mm. my university that went over the horror literature and we went into what the art of this type of literature is really about and it's about figuring out what makes people scared Mm -hmm. you know and when you understand that you can really understand what it takes to make a good story scary Mm. (laughs) you know really creepy like just just really digging into the witchery of it all. Yo, so chill. I'm going to let you guys know how you can dig deep into the horror literature and really what the art form is all about. If you guys click on to the link below and start your free month subscription with Audible today, you can actually read or hear about these wonderful stories that tackle mansion horrors Mm. and monster horrors right and even what makes you so fearful of the innocent being attacked like child horrors Mm. 
really thinking about why it makes it so scary when a kid is about to be eaten or destroyed. Like mm. it's because they're so innocent. So check out these horrors and let us know what you think about exploring this as an art form rather than just thinking of it as like fluff. Yeah, I feel like you're having way too much fun over there. I'm <laughs> having the most fun. You, you don't like even you understand. You're going through it right now. I'm telling you, I love thinking about this stuff. It's so interesting because mm-hmm. we really don't get the chance to explore it as much as, you know, we could. Mm-hmm. So when we think about, you know, voodoo or people having control over us, you know, it's so fear gripping. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about the fact that people do understand what's going to make us scared or what's going to make us think or what's going to spiritually bond us to those on the other side is just really interesting. Oh, okay. Do you have like any experiences of any type? Well, when I think about voodoo, I've told you that in I grew up in Jamaica, mm-hmm. right? As a child, at least in my childhood those who were the single person in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. that was like older and had no kids and no spouse, like they always had the characteristic or the connotation of being the voodoo person. Mm -hmm. And in Jamaica, we call voodoo obia. Mm -hmm. So that's like the obia man, the obia woman. You get that title because all the kids in the neighborhood are going to be telling stories about you and why everybody in the neighborhood should be afraid of you is because there has to be a reason that you're... That nobody wants you. That (laughs) nobody's around you. Nobody's up in your house. How you living there alone? That's because you practice obia, right? So they kind of of make it a a fearful or a fear-based thing, you know, something to tell scary stories about because everybody's getting in the street late at night and just telling their ghost stories. Their ghost stories about all. Sleep with one eye open. (laughs) And she's threatening me, everyone. I have you on record. All right, so let's dig into it a little bit more, right? Because you're having way too much fun. I want to bring this back (laughs) out of this vibe. And let's talk about the facts, history, and things that have been recorded. Okay? So everyone has heard about voodoo in some form. Uh, There may have been movie references or things like that. Or your friends may have just talked about it. But what are the factual things about this uh practice of voodoo that is actually a legit religion all right let's see where the facts stack up against what we think we already know okay okay cool so for one thing uh there are people that do practice this religion and it can be traced back to western africa to a area many known many know it as benin if you you know if you remember that from your high school history class or something like that i know of benin benin yes one of the greatest african empires to have ever existed okay so in their language this is the font language the the word voodoo it means spirit Okay, so when you're saying the word voodoo, you're saying the word spirit. Oh, so that's, that's pretty so much scary all scary when you say it like that. Right. And during the transatlantic slave trade, many people that were taken from Africa by colonizers, uh, they were brought to the Americas. And when I say the Americas, I mean North, South, Central, the Caribbean, 
what have you. Uh, they brought that religion with them, right? When they were forced to do slave labor for the colonizers. Uh, one of the places um, I'm going to mention a few times was the place called Haiti among the uh, Caribbean islands. Islands. So here, a number, a large number of West Africans, they kept the traditions alive, even though they were forced to also adopt Catholicism or Roman Catholicism. Uh, voodoo started to develop and it, they started to blend the beliefs and customs of both religions to the point where a lot of the deities that they pray to are synonymous with Roman Catholic saints. Okay. You know what I mean? So back to Haiti. Uh, just, just a side note. So the Haitian slaves, they fought back against their captors in 1791. And this revolt was led by Haitian voodoos, priests, and priestesses. And the result was the French was driven out of Haiti during the course of five years. And, With the power. Right. <laughs> and, and coincidentally enough, one of the famous priests and leaders of that revolution, his name is Dutty Bukman. Have you heard of him? No, but Dutty is like dirty in Jamaican Patwa. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So See. he was like, he probably was known as like, don't, I get down and dirty, like, don't play with me. Right, right. He was Dutty for real. So that is not a coincidence. He was a slave that was sent to jamaica and he lived there for oh, a while see before, that <laughs> yeah yeah see <laughs> see we connected we all one people like so he came over and he helped us to start this revolution mm. uh some of the french people if they didn't flee back to france when we kicked they a ss <laughs> they also went to new orleans and they brought their slaves with them and when they would bring their voodoo over to to the United States and the New Orleans area that kind of involved into like the New Orleans voodoo that you kind of see. If you were ever to go during a Halloween time or anything where they're celebrating or when they're celebrating Mardi Gras. Yeah. Like that. As far as the beliefs go, practices of ancestor worship and believing that spirits are implanted in animals are the basis of it. Uh, voodoo practitioners can seek help from the many spirits of the ancestors and nature to help them with their problems. Uh, the spirits live in a realm that is connected to ours, even though we can't perceive them, which is the belief. Uh, so I keep saying spirits and voodoo uh, is is synonymous with the word spirits, but there are cl- there are classifications of spirits. So if your ancestor, your mom's grandmother or something like that, assuming that she's no longer uh, with us and she transitioned, she would be considered a spirit or an ancestor who you would pray to. And there are other spirits, they're called Luas, L-W-A, Lua. And they're considered to be more powerful than any of your deceased relatives. Uh, they're synonymous with Yoruba gods that were, were uh, taken from the African place where they were from. And they're also synonymous with Roman Catholic saints as well. Uh, these spirits are not only considered to be single entities, but they can be like groups of warriors or sorcerers or people that you really need to call upon when you need to bring a lot of power with you. Um, the Loas are believed to enter our world and interact with people through spirit possession. Mm. Okay, so this sounds weird. It sounds creepy, but if you read more about it. It's not like the demonic possession that you might be familiar with in movies like The Exorcist, right? There aren't babies spewing vomit all over the place. Their heads aren't spinning 360. There aren't bees, you know, sticking to your windows and stuff like that. It's more like a controlled environment. You'll have a, um, a voodoo practitioner 
who's able to receive that spirit and be overtaken by it. And usually that's part of the ritual. Uh, the possession will only last a few minutes or a few hours. I guess that's really important. It's but, a range. <laughs> yeah, so There's a range, range up in I here. I guess it depends on your ability. And um, that would leave the possessed person exhausted and with no memory of the experience. Mm. Uh, during that time, that spirit can be used to prophesy over you, to heal you, or even to bless you. Okay? So that's just a little bit about that you may not know. And going back to the story of Mr. Clavius Narciss, our zombie man. So there is nothing to support the use where we was hypothesizing that tetrodotoxin and datura was being used on him. Unfortunately, if you follow my timeline, because there was a 16-year gap between the account of him leaving that plantation when his master died and the time that he finally showed up again when people realized who he was, all data that probably could have been taken from Tess was lost. But this was a hypothesis that was adopted by a couple of archaeologists. And there were um, subsequent tests that may have fought that followed from that. And these subsequent analytical chemistry based tests, they did discredit this theory that this substance could be used to make a zombie. Mm. But one thing is for sure that is paperwork. And there are people to give an account that Mr. Narciss was definitely buried. And then he was ended up walking around 20 years later. So, Mr. Narciss, if you rose again, because he's supposed to have died in 1992, and you listen to this episode, <laughs> you got to show me, you got to let me know how to do this, all right? Because I got these student loans, and Sally <laughs> May, you know, he's not going to let me be great. An you know? extra 20 years will really help out. Right. So, if they think I'm dead, they, they you know, they might not hit me up, because they hit me up every single month for that bread. <laughs> and honestly, I'm getting a little tired of it. So, let me know if you could put me on, Okay. So that I was like such a great story and I liked learning more about uh, the history of my people and how we were able to overcome, you know, um, oppression. And I feel like I'm really happy to share that with you guys. So if you want to learn more about the history of Haiti and its rise to glory, I'd suggest everyone check out the title Haitian Revolution, a history from beginning to end. Sign up for a free 30 day trial on audibletrial.com slash black hypothesis and let us know what you think. And after you read it, the next step is for you to try some fried pickled plantains with fried pork. Or as we say, bon on pese pickles at griot. Mm, mm, mm. I'm finna leave right now and get some. Getting hungry. Okay, so let's bring it back now. So a way that I think voodoo spirituality and religion relates to the sciences is when we really think about the strength of prayer and the strength of beliefs when mm -hmm. it comes to the realities that we live within. Right. And when you look at some of the social sciences, including uh, game theory, mm -hmm. Scientists understand that within groups, spiritual and religious groups tend to last much longer than the average group may last, mm. depending, you know, we all have groups, we all um, interact with other people within other or various modes when right. you think about where you work, when you think about where you go to school, who your friends are, who your family is, and all of that. 
these groups, they maintain a structure and order and some type of function of continuing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, studies have found that when it comes to the basis of these groups being a religious or spiritual order, they last much longer than blood and water, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe we can say that spirituality runs thicker than blood and water. (laughs) Mm, Okay, okay. Yeah, so when it comes to um, another part of game theory is thinking about how the use of space or the use of resources match when it comes to competition or when it comes to um, selectiveness, mm-hmm. you know, if a if a resource is not accessible by everyone right. and there are only a selected few that get to partake. When it comes to spirituality and religion, these functions will allow more access. These functions will allow for people to have that connection and it's ingrained and deepened in a way that no other relationship that we've mm-hmm. seen has been able to keep people attached. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so you, I remember, so you were talking about like connection and like the power of prayer. That makes me think of a, a few things. So um, quantum physics, right? And something that I was also looking up, uh, entanglement theory. Entanglement is like the word of 2020. I sort of It is. It is. At least one of the words. (laughs) So so, uh, a lot of uh, one belief in quantum physics, or like the Big Bang, right? Where everything started at one place. Like all the atoms and minerals and all the energy that has been created was at one point in space. And then there was this big explosion and every single atom and everything that was part of that point has uh, split and was separated by light years or years or some of them probably was formed together in some other uh, places to form like planets or stars and things like that. And uh, the theory is that because we were we were all in one spot in one uh, finite point in time, even though we separated, we're still energetically connected. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's something people... Interesting. uh, Right. So that's something that people uh, will think about when we try to think, oh, so when people pray, why do sometimes you might see something happen because of it? And and I've seen it even in my own, uh, as part of my own testimony, I've seen people that uh, they do heal or something does happen to them, like physiologically in their body when things are looking bleak and, you know, doctors would give them three months to live or maybe two years to live and people are praying for them and they're not doing anything else that is different that would improve their physical chances of survival. And they don't last two years. They last five, seven, 20 years even. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And Maybe we are all connected, like we say, you know, like it's just words and everything like that. But yeah, maybe we all are just kind of like connected together. And if I want to see you do well, I'll send that positive energy towards you. And, you know, maybe things can happen from that, you know, mm-hmm. um, as a, I would say that as a kind of overarching title to some of these, some people in the health field would call these miraculous recoveries Mm -hmm. um 
not getting into the specifics of each case. They would just call them generally miraculous recoveries. Right. And I think, yeah, if you're considering the fact that we understand each person, place, and thing to be connected to a particular start, right? that there is some type of energetic connection, perhaps, mm -hmm. that we don't know about that could easily be the reason for our relation mm -hmm. exactly and as anyone that has studied any sort of science i guess it's physics we all know one of the fundamental rules energy is not created it is not destroyed it is just transferred from one form to another mm. any type of energy that is in a closed system it cannot leave that system it's either it it only changes you can't create yeah. it you can't destroy it you know what i mean so if I was to, let's say, pass away or something like uh, when we're talking about like zombies or whatever, what happens to a piece of that energy that makes you paper made or makes me Langston Jules? That doesn't go away. You know, mm -hmm. that has to go somewhere. Right, right, you know right. I mean? If you agree with the law of conservation of energy, I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like it's pretty solid, but I mean, oh, and uh, entanglement theory, like I was talking about before. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand too much. But I think from what I understood from what I was reading about, uh, it, the theory, it, it explained or. OK, so here's an example, right? Uh, let's say you have two dice, yeah, a pair of dice. That's two, right? OK, so, yeah. Yeah, a, <laughs> so let's say you have a pair of dice, right? And they are connected to each other. Okay. They're connected in a way that when you roll them both, you have to get the number eight, no matter what. It doesn't matter if one person is rolling it. It doesn't matter if two people are rolling it. It doesn't matter if. One person is rolling it in South America and the other one is in Russia. When both of them roll at the same time, if the South American person rolls a four, the other one's going to roll a four. If the South American person rolls a six, the other one's going to roll a two and vice versa. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the theory is that if you have two particles, oh, it's particles that they pretty much talk about in a closed system, right? Where there's nothing else interacting with it, you're not even able to measure it. They are able to be uh, linked somehow. So going back to that dice theory, if you were to roll that one dice in one way, or like like you was, was going to roll a five, the other dice has to roll a three. Okay. So, so then the train of thought is like, how does the other dice know to roll a three? Like, it's almost are they connected to each other? Do they know that the other one has to roll a three? Are they because, able to communicate somehow? Exactly. Are they able to communicate somehow? But in uh, certain experiments. You can roll the dice or these particles, they would have a certain spin in a certain direction. You would measure it. Even if you measure it at almost the same exact time and these particles are very far away, one dice would be a five and one dice would be a three. So it, it could be so far apart that it's, you have to travel faster than the speed of light to tell that dice, yo, I need you to be a three. Yeah. You know what I mean? And nothing travels faster than the speed of light. So the question is, how is that possible? Yeah. You know what I mean? When they've done measurements like that. They are connected and they don't exactly know how. And this and is a theory, meaning it's not law. It's, it's not proven, it's not, but it's something that's being evaluated and questioned. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, I would say that that kind of speaks to the energy, that invisible energy that we don't understand or yet know about in detail. Because even when it comes to the public sciences and public health sciences, we do a lot of health research that involves human subjects. Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of those involve evaluations of medicines, vaccines, and such. So you're going to have subjects who are ill, subjects who are healthy, you know, depending on what the requirements for the particular study are. And there are cases and instances in which there are unhealthy people who have been given a placebo, which are required for these types of studies, you know, because you have to measure the real treatment against what would happen if you didn't have the treatment or you had um, whatever the regular or standard treatment is nowadays. Mm -hmm. So it's either you're going to have standard treatment or no treatment whatsoever, or you have an advanced treatment. And those who are receiving the placebo can sometimes experience changes, physiological changes, chemical changes that help to make them feel better, even though they're not receiving what the others who are also getting better are receiving. It's kind of like, how can you tell what's actually good or what part of your treatment is the is benefiting your recipients if those who are receiving the placebo are through their belief somehow or through their understanding that they are being treated are experiencing a change that leads to them feeling better as well you know and that kind of speaks to just how powerful this invisible force can be like what is that thing that makes them get better just by that belief Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like there's a lot of things that we still need to explore and i'm really excited to see where we're going hopefully people are um studying this and being involved hopefully there's a bunch of black people that are interested in this and if you are you know i hope there are a bunch of things that you can do right there's things like quantum physics that i mentioned you can try to get into that to help explain some of these things that these phenomena that we cannot uh describe or explain on our own or it's not easy to do with the math that we already know or with the observation experiment that we currently run as well and even when considering some of the rituals and potions involved in voodoo practices you're looking at a lot of herbs and artifacts such as talismans and flower petals, roots. And you can be the kind of scientist who is inspecting or evaluating how those by how that biological matter or physical matter is affecting the human body and changing the human body. So biologists always have a place when it comes to public health. Okay. So it seems like this is going to be an ongoing discussion that can go on forever and ever and ever, but we don't have that much time. (laughs) So paper made. I'm really excited for where this field is going. I hope we get some answers to these questions that we've posed here today. I'm really excited for the stories. I'm really excited for the feeling of knowing and not knowing. Not knowing is like the most thrilling feeling around this time. No, I want to know. I want to know where these sounds are coming from. I want to know exactly Ah! everything. So I don't get scared anymore. (laughs) You don't like the feeling of being frightened? No. Do you? Yeah. 
that? You don't like the feeling of being frightened? <laughs> not fuck? knowing whether you'll survive? Not knowing whether you should run or fight? <laughs> all right. On that note, <laughs> the answer is no. I don't like that feeling at all. <laughs> and uh, I'm a little disturbed that that's something that you do like. Uh, I'm not going to Six Flags Fright Fest with you. That's definitely for sure. You're going to be <laughs> handcuffed and dragged. <laughs> okay. That is also recorded. So please look out for me. Hit up my DMs if you don't see me in a while, IG. Uh, all right, so let's get out of here and not get handcuffed and, you know, just have a happy Halloween. Guys, thanks for joining us today and we hope you liked the episode. You can find us on all available streaming platforms and please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you like the episode, go ahead and give us five stars. You can also follow us at Black Hypothesis on IG. We are also on Facebook. If you would like to reach out to us concerning any ideas for the show, critiques, or you would like to be a guest, Go on and send us an email at blackhypothesis at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Peace.